decade plus a year, you young people, and those of you who are older and you're like seniors and you think like you're an adult and you should be making adult decisions, decades old yet. Once you're two decades old, all about 18, I know the country says you're that, you're still very young um, because you're not two decades old yet. Once you're two decades old, all bets are off. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I really do think that I don't want to sell you guys short. Um, and I, I don't want you guys to sell yourselves short either. You know, everybody quotes the first Timothy 4 verse, don't let anybody despise you for your youth. You know, in the context of that passage, Timothy is a young pastor leading people. And so you have to understand, this is not just the youth group passage. This is Paul telling a young pastor, don't let older people stop you from teaching God's word. Okay, that, that's what that passage would mean. But I also want you guys to understand that I, I see something in you guys as young people in the generation that you guys are together, middle school through high school, or in one generation. I see something in you guys that I think is really unique. You guys have the ability to see through stuff that's fake. You look for authentic things. Now, there's a dark side to this is that you guys are always very, uh, you're not very trusting of things a lot of times. So you're always making sure things are real. But I do think you guys have an ability to see through the junk and see what's real instead of what's fake. Because nobody likes being lied to, right? I mean, you could think about somebody who has lied to you before, right? And the moment you think of that person in your mind, unless you have kind of reconciled and forgiven that person, immediately the things in your, in your mind are pretty negative about that person who's lied to you. Nobody likes being lied to. It doesn't feel good. It never has and it never will. Being lied to is awful. And, and I think for a lot of things, my, my hope is that however long you spend in this room, however many years you're in this ministry, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to leave here not knowing truth. I don't want you to leave here listening to other stuff that's out there because there's a lot of junk out there and I don't want you to fall for it. I want you to be able to look through the junk and say, that's not what God says. This is what God says. Even people who have platforms and have Bibles open sometimes say junk. That's not what God says. And I want you guys to be able, as young as you are, to figure and cut through that and see it for what it is. Um, as I was thinking about this, in the animal kingdom, there's a lot of deception. You know about this? There's this, I'm not a cat person. And I, for, who had the trunk with cats this past fall fest? There were live kittens. Who had that? Who was it? There was a, there was a trunk at fall fest this past weekend where they were handing out kittens. Um, like literally free kittens. And if you missed it, I'm sorry that they were trying, who was it? Uh, it was Chrissy, that's right. No, no, it was Chrissy Cruz. They were trying to give away cats. And uh, I, I walked up to them and I said, kittens are adorable. The problem is they become cats. And that is where I draw the line. I have a very strong stance on cats. If you know anything about Pastor Rob, he does too. I take it a step further to a point where I'm not going to say things because you will think I'm a really mean person. But take a look at this little feline on the board, on the screen here. It kind of reminds me of the character Puss in Boots from Shrek, okay? The eyes, right? I think they, they got it off of this animal. That animal behind you is called a marguerite. It's found in Mexico, Central, and South America. Now, here's what a marguerite does. It mimics the call of baby monkeys. Why? Here's why. Because it climbs to the tops of the trees in the rainforest. Because it has ankles that can almost do a 180. That's really crazy for, like, climbing. So just think about that. Like, its ankle almost does a total 180. But it goes up to the top of trees, and it makes the sound of baby monkeys. Because you know what comes out when you make the sound of a baby monkey in peril or distress? 
bigger monkeys. And that's where this thing goes to work. It lures them in and then attacks them and brutally slaughters them. Because you know what? That's what cats do. Okay? All you guys who have cats, okay? I'm just going to let you know right now that you are taking your life into your own hands every night because you have a feline in your home. And you don't know that in the middle of the night it could come for your jugular. I'm just saying. It could happen. These things are natural, instinctual predators. They're crafty. They, I don't trust them. I, even eyes like that, I don't trust them. And that's what those things do. That's for another time. Okay, so these things use these deceptive tactics to kill. The ancient Romans had another thing. They believed in a monster called the crocata. I don't think I'm saying that right in Romanese, but the crocata. It was said to be a wolf-like beast native to either Ethiopia or India, but it had the ability to mimic human speech. They thought there was a wolf-like monster that would sit outside of town of a village or a camp, and it would sound like people talking like humans, and it would lure people to only devour them. Now, what ended up being that it was just a legend, but what they later found out is that these eerie human-like sounds were actually from hyenas. And hyenas have a scientific name which comes from crocata. But the legendary monster was thought to be a predator that mimicked the speech of its victims to lure them in and then devour them. Why do I tell you this? Because it's interesting. No, here's why I tell you this. It's because I think just like in the animal kingdom where there is a, there's a predator out there that mimics the speech of the thing that it wants to destroy... There are people in the church and in the world that mimic the speech of Christians because they want to deceive you. We are going to wrap up this part of 1 John chapter 2 where it's talked about deception, it's talked about false gospels, it's talked about all these things. And all the while, John has encouraged you, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you, don't fall for it. But he ends in chapter 2, verse 26 to 27, before he sh will shift gears, and we'll get to that next time. But he shifts gears, before he does that, he says this. I write these things to you so that, or sorry, about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, it is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. But I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. There are people out there ready to attack you. They're ready to attack your faith, they're ready to make you shipwreck your faith, and they're ready to basically get you away from Christ. Why would they do that? Well, there's a lot of different reasons. Maybe they're not happy with seeing you following Christ because they're uncomfortable with your faith. Maybe they have been hurt by the church or by the idea of Jesus before, and so they have a hatred towards other people who carry the name of Jesus. Also, let's not negate this. There is a spiritual battle happening everywhere around you. And that is real. And people partake in that when they try to deceive you. The Bible is clear that there is a lot of deception targeted at God's children. Understand that if you are a believer in Christ and you carry him in your heart and you have placed your faith in him, you repent of your sin, you carry a target on your back. Not just for Satan and his demons to try to make you stumble and fall. But for others around you who want to deceive you, you carry a target. You're being targeted right this very moment in a spiritual sense. My hope is that you guys would be able to see through that and overcome it. And also wouldn't fear those things. 
because you know the truth, and the truth abides in you. And that's my hope, is that you would be able to walk out of here stronger knowing the truth from the lies. The world is full of deception and it's aimed at God's children. Sometimes it's obvious. I'm going to take you through a couple of different passages. We're going to just jump out of verses uh, 26 and 27 for a second. I'm going to take you just through a couple of the different ones, all right? So let's first of all look at this. Matthew 24. Jesus talking here. Okay, this is right before Jesus is going to go to the cross. And he's going to tell you that sometimes it's plainly obvious that they're trying to deceive you. Here's what he says. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Later on in that same chapter, verse 23 to 26, he says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to, to say, excuse me, to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So that if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Jesus wants you to be prepared. There are sometimes it's blatantly obvious that people are not telling you the truth, okay? Somebody comes in here and says, I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. Come back. You will know right off the bat, and I'm telling you this right now. If anybody says that, you will know they are lying to you because they are not Christ. Christ has already come as the Messiah, and the next time that he comes, it'll be plainly obvious, because the sky is literally going to be torn in two, and you're going to hear trumpets across the entire world, okay? So I think that's going to be kind of a giveaway, but if anybody else comes short of those kind of things, announcing their return as Christ, Jesus says, they're trying to lead you astray. Don't listen to them. If there are other people saying, hey, look, come to this mountaintop with me. And on this day and on this year, Jesus is going to come and, and, and we're going to ascend with him. They don't know the time or the hour. Don't listen to them. Jesus is saying, don't go out into the wilderness with these people. They're trying to deceive you. Don't fall for it. Don't go out. If they say, look, he's in here with us, don't, don't believe it. See, John was dealing with this back in his day, and we deal with it now, is that there are people out there that tell you that to understand God, you got to have this secret, like, special intellect that only a certain few can get. And some false teachers will tell you, I've got this secret. Let me share it with you. Listen, I never am going to tell you that I've found some secret. I, all I, that's why I tell you guys, any kind of advice I want to give you, it's just going to come out of this book where you can find it too. I, I don't have some secret sauce. I don't have some secret formula. I don't, I don't study God's word in a way that you can't yourself do it. I don't bring any unique, special thing to the table when I teach God's word. I literally put it in front of myself, and I study it, and I pray through it. You can do the same thing. So sometimes there are people who will aim deception at you, and it's blatantly obvious. If they tell you, hey, I'm the Christ, walk away from them. They are not telling you the truth. Now, sometimes it's not so obvious. It's what we call subtle. And I want to say this before we go through the three passages that talk about the subtleness of deception. I think this one is one that you guys might be falling for, but you don't even know it yet. You don't even know it. And this is where, when we went back to that cute little um, little cat in Mexico and Central uh, South America, the little one with the big old eyes that looks like an ocelot in a cat's body with a little mini leopard, it talks like the thing that it, it's trying to attract. I think that you guys have heard false teaching in different places. 
not saying you've heard it here, but I, I, I know that if you hear from other people who talk about the Bible enough, you've probably heard something that goes along the lines of this. Do good things, God will reward you. Do bad things, God will punish you. Now, there's elements of truth to that, but here's the problem. If that's the extent of your, your understanding of God, if your extent of the understanding of God is, I got to keep these good things and these good morals to make God happy and God will bless me, what happens when you do all the right stuff and still things aren't going well? This is subtle. But I think in a lot of times as young kids, there's a morality that's attached to all the Old Testament stories and all these other things. And so what happens when you all the time have been thinking, well, I've been, keeping the, I've been keeping the commandments, I've been doing all these things. God, you owe me now, right? And then something bad happens. And the first thing out of your mouth will be like, why? I don't deserve this. I was good. I wasn't bad. I don't do what they've been doing. See, that's a false gospel false gospel because that's not what jesus would come along and say jesus would say no no you are sinful and by my grace you have been saved and through that grace you're going to keep my commandments but it doesn't always end well for you this side of eternity in this in this uh in this world you will have many trials and tribulations he promised you that he told you that but for a lot of us we've been taught these things that we should do the good things to get good things out of god rather than do good things to bring God glory. That's the gospel. That's true theology. That's true biblical theology where it's do good things, not so that you can earn God's goodness or earn more stuff from God. It's do good things so that God may be glorified in who you are and the life that you're living. Because you love God so much that you want him to get glory. That's what it is. All right, so step down from my soapbox. Sometimes deception is subtle. Colossians 2, 8 through 9. Ready? See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Philosophy and empty deceit. That can be sometimes that stuff that I was just talking about. Do good stuff, God will reward you. Do bad stuff, then you might be in trouble and you got to earn it back. That's philosophy, that's empty deceit. Ephesians 5, 6, and 8. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of the things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are a light in the world. Walk as children of the light. Galatians 1, 7 through 9. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. This goes back to last week, if you were here, we talked about the different cults that are out there, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Jehovah's Witnesses were started by a guy named Joseph Smith. He believed that he had been given a revelation from God and an angel visited him when he was in upstate New York a couple centuries ago. That sounds a lot like what Paul warned you about in Galatians chapter 1. If even we or an angel from heaven would preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Remember, we talked about it last week, that Mormons don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. Therefore, it's a false gospel. And I, th I, found this, I found this really interesting. This might be an easy way for you guys to see how false teachers work. And it's a simple mathematic thing. There are four uh, different functions of math that are easy to remember. I know there's a lot of other stuff, the trigonometries and all the other junk. Don't get caught up in that. All right, really? And I know we have a math teacher in here, um, and, and she may get mad at me, and other people might too. But really, the function in 
the majority of life, unless you become like an engineer or something, if you can add, subtract, multiply, divide, you're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, kid. Okay? But unless you're going to go like into coding, uh, you know, engineering, then maybe get some of the other stuff. Okay? The rest of you guys, these four are going to be enough. Okay? But here, let's take it like this. False teachers do mathematics. Right? Listen to this. False teachers will add. They will give you an addition to the Bible. They will say, the Bible's good, but you should also read this book by this guy or by this prophet or this dream that I had in addition to the Bible. This is what God has told me. That's addition. That goes right back to Galatians chapter 1 that tells you that if anybody wants to add to this gospel or preach a gospel contrary to ours, let them be accursed. This is what false teachers do. They try to add to God's word. Or they'll try to subtract. They try to take away from the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We talked about this last week. A lot of times false teachers will try to tell you that Jesus was not God in the flesh. They're going to subtract from his deity. They're going to take away from who Jesus is. Take away from what Jesus accomplished on the cross. They're going to try and subtract something of Jesus' value. Division. They're going to divide our allegiance from God through Jesus alone, and they're going to tell you there are other avenues. So basically, they're going to divide it up and say, hey, there's many other avenues that you can get to God. So let's divide it up and conquer, right? You go after Allah, you go after Muhammad, you go after Buddha, you go after Gandhi, you go after Joseph Smith and the Mormons, you go after Jesus, and then we all will get to God, and we'll just divide it up and take different roads. It's division. Goes. Contrary to what Jesus himself said, that he is the only way. Multiplication. And this is the one that sometimes is very subtle. Sometimes we want to multiply some works for salvation. We want to add some stuff to the cross so that we can be saved. Get good, do some good works and that will make sure that we're saved. At some level it comes back to man's ability to earn God's love. And that is contrary to scripture. You can't earn it. It was given to you freely. That is grace. So sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's emotional. 1 Corinthians 6 through 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the Spirit of our God. This is what I mean by emotional. There are times where people will tell you that they can't be your friend anymore because you're calling their lifestyle sinful. Some people will say, you're hateful. That's hate speech. You can't say that about people and how they're living their lives. You can't tell them that's anti-God. Who are you? And that hurts. And that's emotional. And, and, and so what false teachers are going to try and do is they're going to play to your emotions and say, you don't want to be like all those other people who have yelled and screamed and pointed the finger, right? You don't want to be like them. You don't want to be hypocritical. You've got stuff. You've got problems, right? So you don't want to be like them. You don't want to be like all those other wicked people out there. That's what the world tries to tell you. It's emotional. Or maybe you know somebody who you're really close to who's stuck in a sinful lifestyle like this. And you're like, man, I just can't believe that God would actually want to punish them for that life. I love that person. They're my friend. They're my family member. I don't really think that God would actually punish them for living like that. But here's the truth is that it's ungodly. And, and why I chose that verse is because 
it says you don't want to be deceived. Those types of practices will not inherit the kingdom of God. No matter what the world tells you, you can't change what God's law says. These things are ungodly sinful practices. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the other part to this. Don't miss it. And such were some of you. This is, this is what the message of Christianity is. Sin is out there. We are sinners in need of God's grace. And we, too, once were captive to those practices. And God drew us out of those. I'm not better than the person who practices those things. In fact, I was just as guilty as those people, yet Jesus lifted me out of my guilt. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. You didn't do it. Something was done to you. Sometimes it's emotional, but you have to hold steadfast to the truth that we ourselves are sinful people that were washed, renewed, and sanctified by Christ. And other people can be too. But don't let the emotions of other people stop you from seeing that there is truth to what God's saying. So if we're going to overcome this, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to be steadfast and armed up for the attack? I'm going to give you two things and we'll be done. So the world is full of deception aimed at God's children. So how do we deal with that? Number one, you need each other. You need one another. This is what John has been talking about in this letter is that we have fellowship with not just Christ, but we have fellowship with one another. That's back in chapter 1 if you need to go back and refresh that. But part of what he's talking about is your fellowship with other believers helps prepare you and guard you from these attacks. Listen to this, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest any lest there be any of evil in you, an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. So you need one another. Here's what that looks like. Sometimes you may need to talk to one another about scripture, not just about what you were watching on Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or the latest Marvel thing that's probably garbage because they haven't put out a good movie in about two years, hot take. Um, wow, that's the first applause I've gotten. Wow. Man, man, you know, you bring, up, you bring up the MCU and you get people talking. Look, listen, but talk to one another about scripture. Like talk to each other what you've been reading so that you can iron sharpen iron, like it says in Proverbs, so that you guys can talk about what you're reading and you can understand truth and talk about truth together. Talk to one another about the damage sin causes. Listen, you should be able to look out and, and even talk about the stuff that's in the media, in the stuff that you watch. You can talk about the sinful junk that's in that show and you see, like, man, that show doesn't show you the damage that sin causes. Like, they show all these things, like, all oh, these kids going out and getting drunk and having a great time at this party. But they don't show you the morning after where the people are vomiting and they are awful and they have this splitting headache and they are hungover and they can't remember what they did the day before. They don't show you the ramifications of sin. Talk about that. Talk about how sin is destructive so that you can make sure that you guys don't fall prey to it. And encourage one another to remain steadfast. Listen, there will be other times where you will be surrounded by people who will tell you, man, like, uh, what, you've been, what you've been taught in Bible or what you always grew up learning about Scripture, I don't know if that's true. Shouldn't we get away from that old antiquated stuff? You need to remind each other, no, that God's word is true today. And it was true yesterday. And it will be true tomorrow. And so encourage one another to remain steadfast. You need one another to do that. Lastly, you need one truth. 
And I love this verse. This is actually a verse that Morgan and I put on our, our, in our, it was on our wedding bulletin or whatever it was. It was like the theme verse for our wedding. But G, uh, Hebrews 13, 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to him. Here's what, here's what I want you to understand. And I want you to think about this for a second. You realize that tomorrow, the things in God's word are not going to be different than they are right now. And I know some of you guys are like, yeah, duh. Like, no, this book isn't going to change its wording overnight. But do you know how good that is? Like, it's so good to know that this is not going to change in seven years from now. You're going to change, but God's word's not. That's great. That's refreshing. Do you know how much other stuff is going to change in the next seven years of your life? Practically everything. Things will get older. They will decay. They will age. People were going to look different. You know, I'm going to look different. I'm probably going to have gray hair by then because I already got some. I just hide it really well. Yeah, it's true. It's in there. It's wiry. My wife points that every time as she sees one. It's a fun game for her. No, listen. It's so encouraging that God's word's not going to change. It's great. It's great that God's not going to change. You know why that's good? That means his love for you is not going to change tomorrow. It's not going to change in seven years. It's going to be the same. That's good news. It's great. To, it's refreshing to have something that I can always go back to, and it's not going to be different. It's going to be the same. When everything else in the world is going to be different. Literally changing by the moment sometimes. So we need one truth. We need one truth. We need one another and we need one truth. Here's where we have a crisis right now. And I'm going to leave you with these thoughts. People use this to find out what they think is right. They use reason. They say, I think this is right. So that's what truth is. I think this is right. They use experience. I feel like this is right. I've lived a little bit. Some of you guys, a decade plus one. I've lived for 11 years. I feel like this is probably right. They use tradition. Well, we've always done it this way, so this must be the right way to do it. Here's the one that trumps all of those. Revelation. This is what God says is right. More than your experiences, more than your feelings or thoughts, more than your, your reason, more than all that. It's the revelation that God says this is right. This is the way. In the biblical sense, truth is this. Truth is essential, it's not optional. Truth is eternal, it's not relative. Truth is consistent, it's not changing. Truth is permanent, it's not a perspective. Guys, that, that's so, so, I can't, I, I don't know if you guys really get how encouraging it is to know that God's word is not going to change. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how much you change, your circumstances, like God's not going to change. And his word's not going to change. He's not going to wake up one day and go, you know what? Ah, man, I told you it was always going to be by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus alone. That's how you're going to get to me. But you know what? I just feel like you haven't done enough good works lately. So I'm going to change. I'm going to flip the script. Today, it's going to be by works. You're going to get saved by works. You, you guys go, oh, that's crazy talk. Anybody else could do that. But God chooses 
because he is God and he is perfect, he says, I will never be like that. I can't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the entry into heaven, the entry into God himself has always been Christ and it always will be Christ and it won't ever change. False teachers, they'll add to that. They'll subtract from that. They'll divide it. They'll multiply. But man, it's such an encouraging thing because everything else in your life changes. This doesn't. And it will be the same. No matter where you go, no matter how old you get, no matter how much stuff changes, no matter how wrinkles you get or how, you know, you let age get a hold of you and you grow a little bit more this way than you grow that way. You know, it happens. No matter how much you change, God doesn't and his word doesn't. That's good. That's encouraging good news for us. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for these students. I thank you for the time that we have together. I just pray that just this week as I've been reflecting on this is so much about how you are the same and you are constant. I just, I thank you for the comfort that there is found in that truth. But I pray that these students would have that comfort. Knowing that you do not change. You stay the same. And we can actually hold on to that. And we can actually believe that when you say that this is who you are, and when you say that you love us, and when you say this is how we can be with you, you mean it, you're telling the truth, and that truth won't change. God, we've all been hurt by lies, by deceit from others, from the world. God, may the truth that you have no deception in your mouth, that you have no darkness within you at all. May that cause us to run to you because you are the only source of truth, the only constant thing that we can rely on. So may we worship you for that and run to you for that. God, be with us as we go to Caraway this weekend as well and keep us safe. May we learn more about you, draw closer to you as we take a break from life this weekend and have fun together as we learn your word together. May you be honored and glorified this weekend. For those who can't go, may you bless them as well and encourage their hearts. And may they draw close to you even at home this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.